0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10. We're in a series from the letter of Hebrews called White Knuckle Faith. White knuckles are what happens when you grip something really, really strong. And the writer of Hebrews is writing to a bunch of Christians who are being tempted to give up their Christian faith and go back to something different, to something else. And he's urging them to hold on to their Christian faith. He's been been arguing with them and debating with them and persuading them for the first nine chapters of this book. And now he starts to turn a little bit of a corner and he says, now in lieu of everything else I have told you, you need to press forward. Hang on to what you have and press forward. So I want to read this passage of Scripture for us. And then I want to talk uh, a little bit about the way forward for Palmetto Baptist Church. Beginning with verse 19, Hebrews chapter 10, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is His body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, And with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. I want to recognize some folks this morning. Uh, if, if their folks are here, is there anyone here who, who is back after you've been gone a long time, you're back for homecoming? Anybody here in, the, in this service that fits that uh, description? Anybody? Glad to have Buddy Thompson back there. He's a great friend of ours, and uh, Buddy is from the Christian church, and so he thought if he came into uh Baptist church, the, the, the ceiling might fall in, so we were going to get him a hard hat, but, but Buddy's like, like me. He came with a hard hat as standard equipment. Isn't that right, Buddy? That's right, yeah. Glad to have Buddy here. I love Buddy Thompson, one of my favorite, favorite people in all the world. I uh, also want to uh, read something for you. This was given to me last week. Uh, you know, there are 3,600 Baptist churches in the Georgia Baptist Convention. 3,600. And our church is a very mission-oriented church. We, we give a lot to the cooperative program, which is the, the Southern Baptist Missions Program. We, we're the biggest, the number one supporter of our Fairburn Baptist Association Uh, Our association has like 45 churches, and many of those churches are many times larger than than our church is. And yet every year, year in and year out, we're the number one contributor, financial supporter of the Fairburn Baptist Association. In fact, I was looking this past week, and we're number one in gifts to the Fairburn Baptist Association. The number two church is $10,000 under us. So I praise the Lord for you. I have a little certificate here from the Georgia Baptist Children's Home and Family Ministries. Did I say there are 3,600 churches, Baptist churches in Georgia? We're number four in gifts to the children's home. Number four in the state of Georgia. Do you realize how phenomenal that is? Do you realize there are churches with mega thousands of members that don't give as much as you do to the children's home? Praise God for you. We have had a, uh, a, a tough last few years. In fact, I don't know of any church anywhere that hasn't had a tough last few years. Uh, the recession has hurt every church I know of. And although I don't understand all the ins and outs of it, not only have they hurt financially, as we have hurt financially, but it, it, it's hurt attendance. It's really an unusual thing. Usually, throughout church history, in times of crisis, people flock to church. Right after 9-11, although it, it, it only occurred for a short period of time, but right after September 11, 2001, people flocked to church. Churches had a high attendance record set in the six months after September 11th, 2001. Normally in times of crisis, people flock to church. That has not been the case in this recession crisis. People have flocked away from church. Church attendance almost universally has either plateaued or declined, and ours was no exception. It's been a tough last few years. And yet, uh, I'm so thankful for you because you did not give up and you did not back up. You rose up. And things are starting to turn around. Uh, In our budget, over the past five years, we've had to make some really, really tough choices. We had to cut our ministry line items we had to try to cut different uh, uh, utilities if we could. Most of the time we couldn't, but if where we could, we cut. And uh, as a result, we finally this year have brought our budget within the realm of a balanced budget for the first time uh, since I have been here. We made some really difficult cuts. There were times when we froze... Uh, Salaries with no raises. And um, as a result, we went into this year with a, 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 a budget that had been edited a good bit over the past several years. But I told our staff and staff meeting back in February, I said, if we can make it through July, you see, in, in church work, attendance and offerings are the lowest in July and August because people are out of town. Uh, They're out of town on vacations and ball and all kinds of things. And so you don't see as many people quite as often during the summer months of July and August. And so those are the worst months for attendance and the worst months for offerings. So I told our staff back in February, I said, if we can make it through August and be 96% of budget, we're going to be in great shape. Well, at the end of July, we were at 96% budget. And when we ended August, for the first time in my memory, we were at 100 percent of budget at the end of August. For 54 straight months, we ran a cumulative deficit in our budget, for 54 straight months. That deficit got up to, at one time, $77,000 deficit. It was scary. And we made some hard choices. And as of this past March, for the first time in 54 months, we had not a cumulative deficit, but a cumulative surplus. And although it's been small, we have run a surplus every single month beginning with March up through August. I'm happy about that. I really am so happy about that. Things are looking better. Uh, We have right now in place the key components of our staff that I think make us game changers. With Chris and Matt and Judy and the addition of Trevor and Courtney, and I'll I'll throw Dwayne in that mix too because he's a part of our team, we now have what I believe are the key components to really, really make a difference in this tri-county area. And already... We're seeing some things turn around. That's going to be slow. The the growth is going to be slow. We're not going to to grow great numbers overnight, but already we're seeing things creep up and it really gives me hope. And what that says to me is that during some of the darkest of times in our lifetimes, you, with God's help and God's grace and God's power, you rose up. And I appreciate you more than I can possibly say. Those of you who are new to our church, new, our newest members, uh, you have blessed us by choosing to be a part of our church family, and you are part of the turnaround that God is doing in our church. You see, when the writer of Hebrews was writing to his people, he, he was looking at some people who were thinking about backing up There were some others who were thinking about giving up. And he was encouraging them to rise up. Many of you, during this time of recession, you've thought about giving up. We've always had folks who wanted to back up. Every church I've ever been a part of has some element of people who want to back up. Let's go back to the good old days because they've forgotten how not so good those good old days were. But God has called us not to back up, not to give up. He's called us to rise up. The writer of Hebrews was saying to his people, don't back up, don't give up, rise up to the occasion and move forward. We need to rise up and serve. A few years ago, we adopted a slogan, Connect, Grow, and Serve. Helping people to connect, grow, and serve. And a lot of folks looked at that and they said, okay, we'll vote that slogan in, but a slogan is just that. It's just ink on paper that doesn't really mean a whole lot. It sounds good, yada, yada, yada. Well, we wanted this slogan to be more than just ink on paper. We wanted it and we still want it to be our process of making disciples, our process of, of turning people from uh, not followers to committed followers of Christ. And it begins with connect. And it's very simple. In our worship services, our purpose, our goal is to connect us with God and with each other. That's our purpose in these worship services, to connect with God and with other people. And I hope that everybody here is in the process of already doing that. We do that in our worship services, in our large group settings. And then the second part of that is connect, grow. The grow takes place in our Sunday school classes. If you are pretty active in worship, but you're not in Sunday school yet, listen, let me beg you. I'll get on my knees if I need to, but let me beg you to be a part. Find a Sunday school class. Not all of them are going to be a good fit for you, but we have one somewhere that's a good fit for you. Get in that Sunday school class and start growing closer to the Lord and closer to other people. It'll be okay. They won't bite. They don't have the cooties. Well, some of them do. connect with God and others in our worship, grow in your relationship with God and others through our Sunday school classes and our small group Bible studies, and then serve. That's the hardest part. For some people, it's either easy to connect, for some people, it's easy to connect and grow, worship in Sunday school, but for others, the idea of serving, that's a little bit harder to get into, and so I I, I want to urge you to move through that whole three-part process and continuously work through, move through that process. Receive Christ as your Savior. Connect with Him. Join the church. Be baptized. Become an official part of our church. And then get in this connect and grow and serve, this three-part, ongoing, continuous, never-ending process of making followers of Christ. Be a part of that. It's what we do. It's the way forward. Now, quite often I have people come to me and they say, Jimmy, we see connect, grow, and serve. What can I do to serve? I'm here. I'm available. What can I do? And so I want to give you... Uh, An initial list, this is nowhere close to an exhaustive list of things we do where you can plug in right away. Where you can serve right away. Do you sing? Do you sing at all? Are you in the choir? Join the choir. You say, I don't sing solos. That's wonderful. We don't need soloists, we need choir singers. Well, we might need some soloists, but we need choir singers. You say, do we have a choir? Yeah, they sing in the traditional service. And many of the folks in this service stay for the first part of the traditional service and sing in our choir. You can do that too. The choir sings at the very first part of the service, and then we excuse them. Sing in the choir. We need you in the choir. We need about 40 people up here. We're running 20 to 25. We need you in the choir. You don't have to be a soloist to be in the choir. Now, you do need to be able to carry a little bit of a tune. The last thing we need is Barney Fife up here singing. <laughs> At least carry a tune. But, but you don't have to be a soloist to be good in the choir. In fact, the choir is best when it is made of folks who are team members, not Lone Rangers What about our media ministry? The folks who put these slides up here. We have folks assigned to every single worship service, two on Sunday morning, one on Sunday night, and also those on Wednesday night uh, for the for the students who work our slide uh, media ministry. And we have people who come and go because they're in and out of college or they're married and they move off for a job or they get a little bit burned out and they want to try something else. And so we're constantly in need of people in the media ministry. How about you? You'll need to try out for it so that we'll know that you're a little bit technologically savvy. I mean, we don't need people up there who the only experience they've had with a computer is playing Pong. That, That won't quite work. But a lot of you are techno savvy. Come on, get in our media ministry. If you want to sing in the choir, Chris Gould. Raise your hand, Chris. He's the one to talk to. If you want to get in the media ministry, Matt Kiefer. By the way, Matt's the one who put together our history video. Give Matt a hand for that. Isn't that great? How about food pantry? You say, man, we got tons of people in the food pantry. We're always needing folks to work in the food pantry. Let me tell you something that's one of the greatest needs we have. During the week, before Wednesday, we have a group of guys who travel to different places, Food Bank, Kroger's, sometimes Walmart, and they get... Uh, food that these different places provide for us, and they bring them back here. We need more drivers to run those pickups, to run those food pickups. How about you? Are you available? Serve. You can see Chris Gould about that, the pickups. Now, Chris Beatty, he kind of oversees our Wednesday night food pantry. Let me tell you something we need, guys. We need some men. Sometimes on Wednesday night, we, and, and as you can imagine during this recession, we've had a lot of people come to our food pantry on Wednesday nights. We've had record numbers of people. And sometimes, sometimes there will be a person or two who's a little bit mm, hard to deal with, hard to handle, and can intimidate some of the ladies. Now, there, we got some ladies in this church who just ain't intimidated by much. <laughs> but we have some other ladies who are, and guys, we need some men to show up down there. We need some men. Serve. Raise your hand, Chris Beatty. Stop talking to your wife down there and pay attention to the sermon. <laughs> We need some men. Check with him. We need welcomers and greeters. On Sunday morning we need folks who are out here on the sidewalk and and can identify a family maybe with children and they may be new here and they're looking for the right place to go. We need some folks with, with good personality who can lead these people, help them. So we need welcomers and greeters. We need teachers. Courtney and Trevor will tell you that we need some teachers to stand up for the children and for the students. We need teachers. Are you a good teacher? You feel like God has called you to teach? And do you have someone who can verify it? <laughs> well, I have to say that I've met people who fell like, up. man, God has called me to teach. God has called me to teach. And people who are listening to them, they're thinking, God has called you to do something else but teach. <laughs> can you teach? How about nursery workers? We're all the time needing nursery workers for Sunday night, for Sunday morning, Sunday night wednesday night step up serve we need bus drivers do you have a a commercial driver's license cdl are you willing to get one do you realize that the youngest bus driver with a cdl that we have who can drive our bus right now is 60 is that right chris Frank. Frank's a month younger than you. So you're close to 62, Frank. Now, listen to this, folks. The youngest bus driver we have is around 60. We need some bus drivers. People who either have a CDL or they're willing to, to pay the price and get a CDL who can drive our bus on the different trips that we have. Our insurance company does not have a cutoff on the age of a bus driver, but they have a a suggested maximum age. You know what it is? It's 65. (laughs) (laughs) We need drivers. It's no joke. Connect, grow, serve. We need people who are willing to serve on committees. Now, you have to be a church member to do this. Got to be a church member to serve on a committee. We need people who can do administrative things like, like uh, make copies and put, fi- put cop- the right copies in the right file folder and put things on the right shelf at the right time or the right, the right file drawer. We have a spot for you. And and what's not up there on that slide is this. Upward basketball is coming right around the corner. We need workers for upward basketball and cheerleading. It's the biggest evangelistic program our church does. And we need you to be a part of it. We need to rise up and serve. All right. So those are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven things. That I just threw out to you where you can plug in right now. And that's just the beginning. There's a place for you to serve. If you are only in worship and not in Sunday school, you have nine of your ten toes out of the building. The more you're connected, the more you're a part of this church family and the more you'll stay. Get connected, get growing, get serving. And start today. Homecoming would be a great time to start that. Now, not only do we need to rise up and serve, we need to rise up and build. I love the book of Nehemiah. It's one of my favorite Old Testament books. Nehemiah got concerned about his distant homeland of Judah and Jerusalem. And the walls of Jerusalem were in rubble. They'd been in rubble for... Uh, almost 150 years, and and he decided to take a trip, a 700 mile trip from Babylon where he was living to Jerusalem to check out the walls and the rubble. And he went around the rubble and the Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 18, Nehemiah says this, he says, Then I told them about the hand of God who was good upon me, as also the king's words that he'd spoken to me, and they said, get this, let us rise up and build. I love that. Let us rise up and build. So they strengthen their hands for this good work. Ah. We've been working on something since 2002. I thought we'd already be there. It seems like it's going on forever and ever and ever and ever. We purchased 20 acres south of here. You've seen it. It looks beautiful. It's graded off. It's beautiful. Has ball fields. They're beautiful. It has a parking lot and curbing. It's gorgeous. The landscaping Mike Sutherland did for us. It's wonderful. He also did the irrigation for us. It's great. We have a well out there. It's bountiful. But folks, we haven't been working for 10 years to put asphalt out there alone. We need a building out there. Our phase one projected cost for for the original plan was seven and a half million dollars. And we thought that was too much and so we tried to look for ways to cut it and we were able with an edited version to cut it down to six and a half million dollars. One million of that was our, uh, the work that you see out there right now. So what is left, if we were able to build all of phase one right now, it would take another five and a half million dollars. Five and a half million dollars. We have two million in hand. We actually have raised over our capital campaigns just over three million, but we used a million of it for what you see out there. So we have two million left. Now, two million on hand, take two million from five and a half million, that leaves you three and a half million. I had a meeting recently with some guys we met up in Fayetteville, West Virginia. Called They were a part of a group called Builders for Christ. They are Christian uh, men, most of whom are construction workers, or they are retired construction workers, and they will take a, a, a certain weeks out of every year, and they devote their time to helping churches build. They have framing teams, they have roofing teams, they have electrical teams, they have mechanical teams, they have sheetrock teams, and these teams come at different times during the summer, and they provide free labor for what they do, and these guys know what they're doing. They prove that to us in West Virginia. We met with these guys, and they can save us somewhere around 10 to 15%, conservatively. So let's say $750. That's a guess now. $750 is what we think they can save us. So if you take $3.5 million, subtract $750,000, that leaves us $2.75 million to raise. I don't know if our church will ever go for a financing part of that. We may not. I don't know. It's not up to me, it's up to you. But let's assume, just for discussing it, that we could afford to finance $1.5 million. $1.5 million amortized for 20 years at 7% interest, which is higher than the interest you could actually get right now, but let's just say 7% interest. $1.5 million, 20 years, yields a payment of $12,000 a month. You know what 12,000 times 60 months is? That's five years. That's $720,000. How do you pay for $720,000 worth of payments over five years? Did you know that as of... The end of this calendar year, we will have spent the last three years raising money in a capital campaign in the worst recession since the Great Depression, the worst financial times in my personal lifetime, in most of your lifetimes, and yet during that three years we have raised almost $800,000. Now, hear me carefully. What that means is that in the worst of times in a three year capital campaign, we raised Enough money to make payments on a one and a half million dollar, seven percent interest loan. We raised enough in three years to make payments for five years. I said, so "What are you saying? I'm saying we can do this. That's what I'm saying." Now, the church may decide not to do that, and that's fine. It's up to y'all. But I'm saying we can do that. And if we do that, taking $1.5 million off of $2.75 million, and that leaves us with $1.25 million needed to raise. And what I'm saying to you is this. In this scenario, which is just my scenario, it's not anything we've voted on, but in this scenario, we are $1.25 million away from putting a building on that property this facility you and I are in right now is on the market for one point nine nine five million dollars if you haven't already been doing it start now praying for this facility to sell because the day it sells Will be the day the green light on that property starts shining. We are one point two five million dollars away from being able to build. And folks, it's time. You say, well, we need we need we need to wait and for things to come around. Listen, there are those who wait for something that will never naturally come. And then there are those who make things happen. And of course, then there are those who sit back and they wonder what happened. But it's time that we be the people who by God's grace and power make things happen. It's time to rise up and serve, and it's time to rise up and build. And both of those lie in your hands. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, you are calling us to rise up. You're calling us to come to know you as our Savior. You're calling us to join the church, maybe be baptized. You're calling us to Sunday school and Bible study. You're calling us to plug in to areas of service. You're calling us to rise up and build. You're calling us to a greater future than we've ever known as a church. And God, I pray that on this homecoming day, in the 131st year of this church's existence, we will rise up and put an imprint on the future of this church. In Jesus' name, amen.